This morning and stand with me as we honor the reading of the one of the Lord. Today we are looking in the book of Malachi chapter number 3. Malachi chapter number 3. This morning we're going to begin reading with the New Living Translation. Malachi chapter number 3. and We'll begin reading with verse 13. Read down and include verse 15. Malachi chapter 3. Begin reading with verse 13, read down and include verse 15. Again, reading from the New Living Translation. God is speaking here and He says, You have said terrible things about me, says the Lord. But you say, what do you mean? What have we said against you? God said, you have said, what's the use of serving God? What have we gained by obeying His commands or by trying to show the Lord of heaven's armies that we are sorry for our sins. From now on we will call the arrogant blessed. For those who do evil get rich. And those who dare God to punish them suffer no harm. God said you've said terrible things about me. And they said well what in the world have we said? And God said you have said what's the use of serving God? And what have we gained by obeying His commands? I'm using for my subject today, I tithe, so why am I still broke? I tithe, so why am I still broke? Father, we thank you for the word of the Lord. We did anointing, Lord, will rest heavily upon you today. Lord, there are people today that are in this congregation that need to hear the word of God. They need to hear what is about to be said today. And God, I just pray that you'll open our ears today to hear the Word of God. And not only to be a hearer, but to leave this place and make some changes in our life so that things can be better off for us in every area of our life. We ask these things for the glory of God. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. And you may be reseated this morning. God says to His people in our text, you have been saying terrible things about me. The New King James says, your words have been harsh. Against me. Well, what in the world were these people saying? Well, they were saying that it doesn't pay to serve God. They were saying that obeying the commands of God and keeping His ordinance is not profitable. For the past several weeks now, I have had different individuals from the congregation to come and share personal testimonies about tithing. And every, every single one of these people that have testify, testified concerning tithing uh, before we receive the offering, every single one of them have testified that their lives have been enriched, their lives have been blessed because of tithing. Some of these individuals confess that, uh, that they have not always been faithful. In the area of tithing. And, and, and they said that when they did not tithe, they struggled. But when they did tithe, things were much better for them in the area of finance. I know people. I know how people think. And I know that some of you, while there were people up here ta- talking about tithing and talking about uh, the blessing that came upon their life because they were tithing, there was some of you that sat there thinking, well, I tithe, so why am I still broke? Some of you were thinking, why doesn't tithing work for me? It seems to be working for them. Why doesn't it work for me? 
And in essence, you are saying or at least thinking the same thing that the people in our text were. What's the use in serving God? What profit is there in keeping the ordinances of God? I can hear someone say, I tithe, so why am I still broke? Well, listen up, my friend. Listen to me this morning. Tithing in and of itself is not a magic formula that guarantees you wealth and fortune. I want to say that again. Tithing in and of itself is not some kind of a magic formula that guarantees you that you're going to be wealthy and that you're going to have a a lot of money and you're going to have fortune and everything's always going to go your way. It's not a cure-all for financial problems. Now, tithing is a piece of the puzzle, and I believe it's an, ex- it's, a, it's an enormous, it's a gigantic, it's a very large piece of the puzzle, but it's just one piece nonetheless. You see, it is possible to tithe and still be broke. The problem lies in five areas. You knew that already, didn't you? Five or six or four, but... The problem lies in five areas. If you tithe and you're still broke, number one, it might be because of your mentality. That might be the problem, your mentality. You see, there are people, and although they would never verbalize this, and yet according unto their actions, they are saying, all right, God, I did my part. Okay, God, I did my part. I paid my tithe. I placed placed the first 10% of my income in the offering bag when it went by. Now I'm off the hook. I've done my due. I paid my debt. And now I can do anything and everything that I want to with the 90% that's left over. Now, God, I've done my part. It's all up to you. Well, sorry. Sorry. I hate to rain on your parade. Usually I make somebody mad when I preach about tithing. Can you imagine how mad they're going to be when they hear that I'm not just preaching about tithing this morning, but I'm going to tell you that it's not only your responsibility to give 10% of your income to God, but it's also your responsibility to do the right thing with the 90% that's left over. How do you feel now to know that not only is the first 10% of your income God's, but also the 90% that's left over, it's God's too. So in reality, 100%, everything that we have belongs to God. The Bible calls us stewards. A steward is one that manages the affairs of another. You see, what we have is not really our own, but it is simply on loan to us by God. We're stewards of God's property. We are managers of God's property. It's not ours. It belongs to Him. 1 Chronicles 29 and 11 says, For all that is in heaven and all that is in earth. How much? All that is in heaven and all that is in earth is yours. Talking about God. We could say it like this. All that is in heaven and in earth is God's. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. John chapter 3 and verse 27 says that everything man receives has been given to him from heaven. Everything that man receives has been given as a gift. The Bible says every good and every perfect gift is from above. And it comes down from the Father of lights. Man is so full of it. (laughs) We're so full of it, man. When things go well for us, ah, we think, oh man, it's because of something that we did. I worked hard, man says. Oh, I earned a degree. Oh, I make good choices. Blah, blah, blah. 
Man loves to square his shoulders and stand up tall and straight and take the credit for any and all success that happens to him. Listen, friend, we're merely stewards, managers of God's property. And not only is the first 10% uh, that we have, not only does that belong to God, but the 90% that's left over is His too. 100% of all that we have belongs to God. He's just allowing us a little while to manage His property. So you see, we can't just pay our tithe and then do anything and everything that we want to with the remaining 90%. Oh, expecting the tithe to be some kind of magic formula. Oh, that makes us well off financially no matter how bad we handle what's left over. No, friend, God will do His part, but He expects us to do our part. Hey, pastor, I tithe. Why am I still broke? It might be your mentality. You think that the 90% that's left over is yours to do with as you please. Sorry. Sorry. If you are a tither today and you're still broke, number two, it might be because of your management. Might be because of your management. You see, most people are broke today because of poor money management. I'm sure there's some teenagers, maybe there's some people in college today, and you've already tuned me out and say, well, this is for the older folks. This is for the old fogies. Listen, if you're a teenager today or you're in college today, listen to this message. You need to hear what I've got to say this morning. Your life can be completely changed. You're at the whole end of your life. And the years ahead can be incredibly changed for the better if you'll listen to what Pastor has to say this morning and put into effect the principles of the Word of God in good Bible uh, money management. So listen up. You see, most people's problems with, problem with money is not an income problem, it's an outgo problem. Somebody said if your outgo exceeds your income, your upkeep will be your downfall. Listen, you can make a six-figure income, but listen, if you make $100,000 a year, yet you spend $120,000 a year, you're still broke. Hey, Pastor, I tithe. Why am I still broke? Perhaps it's your management or the lack of management. Do you have a budget? A a, a budget? Some of you can't even say that. Do you have a budget? Do you stick to the budget? Do you even know where your money's going? Let me give you some practical advice this morning. If you are struggling in the area of finance, whoever is handling the finances in your home, stop! It ain't working. Evidently, you're not doing a very good job. Let somebody else in the home take over this area. It's best if everybody works together. Uh, together. Uh, but yet the one who is best at this needs to be the leader and be the one in charge. Hey, get some outside help. Get some out, get somebody else to help you. Dave Ramsey has some excellent material on biblical money management. Proverbs 1 and 5. The wisdom writer said, A wise man will hear and increase learning. A man of understanding will attain wise counsel. Richard Bolte was in jail for kidnapping and holding uh, hostages for ransom. 
Richard's brother, who was an alcoholic, was visiting him in jail one day when a preacher came to see Richard. And the preacher said to Richard, he said, hey, he said, I'm a minister, I'm a pastor, and I'm, I'm here to help you in any way that I can. And Richard, uh, Richard's brother said, we don't need any help. We don't need any of your help, preacher. And Richard said to his brother, you're an alcoholic, and I'm probably going to be in prison for 20 years, and we don't need any help. Friend, if you're a poor money manager, you need some help. Stop being so macho, Bubba, and get some help. And never forget the definition of insanity, and it's doing the same old thing, expecting different results. Hey, pastor, I tithe. Why am I still broke? Maybe it's your management, or should I say your mismanagement? You see, you just, you can't just pay your tithe and expect this to solve all of your money problems. Friend, tithing will increase your income. Tithing will increase your income. That's what Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10 says. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse and see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Tithing will increase the flow of blessing that comes toward you. Either we believe this or we don't believe it. I just happen to believe it. You've come way too late to tell me that this doesn't work. I've been doing it all of my life. But friend, although God does open the windows of heaven, although God does pour out blessings, although tithing does bring more income and more blessing to us, but yet we still have to manage the blessing that is coming toward us. You can tithe and still be broke if you don't manage properly the flow of blessing that's coming your way. You see, it's not that God hasn't blessed you for tithing. It's not that God hasn't blessed you for tithing. If you would be completely honest, the problem lies not in the lack of God's blessing, but in your management of His blessing. (laughs) Ouch, that one hurt. Jesus said it like this in Luke 16 and 10, If you're faithful in little, you'll be faithful in much, and vice versa. Friend, if a man mismanages $10, he will mismanage a million. I said, if a man mismanages $10, he's going to mismanage a million. This is why lottery winners will win millions of dollars and pro ball players who make millions of dollars, many of them are broke in two, three, four, five years. Why? Is it an income problem? Is it an income problem? No. They made enough in one winning lottery ticket or they made enough in one year of playing pro sports to set themselves up for a lifetime. I read just a few days ago about a pro basketball player who made over $120 million. He made over $120 million in his career and today he is totally broke. How do you make $120 million and be broke? How can that happen? He never learned how to manage a little bit of money. And so when he got a whole lot of money, he mismanaged that. Jesus said, if you're good with a little, you'll be good with a lot. If you're faithful with a little, you'll be faithful with a lot. If you're not good with a little, you won't be good with a lot. That's why if you mismanage $10, if you had a million dollars, you'd mismanage that. I hope you're encouraged now. 
hey, pastor, I tithe. Why am I still broke? Well, it might be your mentality. Oh, it could be your, your management. It's probably your mortgages. It's probably your mortgages. You see, most Americans today set themselves up for financial failure. Most Americans today set themselves up for financial failure. They've got too much house and too much car. Too much house and too much car. When I said too much house, the ladies were going, no. And when I said too much car, the guys were going, no. Don't 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 touch my car. I don't claim to be a financial expert, but I do read the financial experts and study after them. And the financial experts say that a person's house payment should not be more than one half of their monthly take-home pay. Your house payment should not be more than one-fourth of your monthly take-home pay. And yet a lot of people buy a house with a payment of one-half or more of their take-home pay. This is disaster just waiting to happen. It ain't going to work. And most people, when they try and figure out how much house that they're going to buy and how much house that they can afford, they they can afford, they figure it on best case scenario. If everything goes perfect every single month, I can afford this. Look at here on paper, it says I can afford it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But listen, life ain't perfect. Life ain't perfect. Emergencies happen. And they happen quite often, extra expense, miscellaneous. Oh, she'll get you in trouble all the time. (laughs) Miscellaneous shows up on a regular basis. Listen to me, friend, a house will never become a home if it is putting you in a bind every single month. Most people go crazy with car payments. The financial experts tell us that the sum total of all the vehicles that we have, the sum total of all the vehicles, the cars, the trucks, the, you know, the motorcycles, the, you know, anything with four wheels, two wheels, six wheels, one wheel, anything that rolls. <laughs> the financial experts tell us that the sum total of all of our vehicles that we have, the total value should not equal more than one half of our yearly income. So if you make $50,000 a year, then the sum total of all your vehicles shouldn't exceed $25,000. But Americans are in love with their cars. Oh, oh, we love our cars. Listen to me this morning. Listen to me, friend. It's, it, there, there's nothing wrong with having a nice car. There's nothing wrong with having a nice house. There's nothing wrong with, uh, uh, you know, enjoying life. It's not wrong to have nice things if you can afford them. But the problem is for most Americans, they are not driving their cars. Their cars are driving them. The average American today pays four to five hundred dollars a month for their car. That's just a payment. That doesn't count putting gas in it. That doesn't count changing the oil. That doesn't count changing the tires when they wear out. That doesn't count maintenance. That doesn't count insurance. That doesn't count any of those things. The average American today owes ten to twenty thousand dollars on their credit cards. The average American today is spending 10 to 15% more than they are making. And here's the real problem. Here is, 
Here's the real problem this morning. They think it's normal. They think it's normal. Hey, just because most people live this way doesn't make it normal. Friend, you need to change the way you think. Change the way you think. Stop thinking thoughts like, I'm always going to be in debt. I'll never get out of debt. I'm always going to have a house payment. I'm always going to have a car payment. I'm always going to have to use my credit cards to fill in the gaps. Stop thinking thoughts like, I'm supposed to have certain things. It's my right to have it. The Smiths and the Jones, they have certain things, and they're not any better than I am if they have those things. I'm supposed to have them, but you don't understand. You don't understand the Smiths and the Jones are in debt up to their eyeballs. Who wants to be like them? I don't. Paul writes in Romans 13 and 8, Owe no man anything. The wisdom writer wrote in Proverbs 22 and 7, The borrower is servant to the lender. Friend, the Bible says that if we are in debt, that we are a servant, we are a slave to our debt. Pastor, I tithe, so why am I still broke? It could be because of your mortgages. You've got too much debt. You are living beyond your means. In Oklahoma, we used to say it, you're living too high on the hog. Friend, it's not that God hasn't blessed you. He has. I said, it's not that God hasn't blessed you. He has. It's that you are trying to do too much with the money that you have. And you have fallen into Satan's trap. And you have listened to his lies. He has lied to you. He said things like, you have to have this house or you can't be happy. you got to have it. If you don't get this house, you won't be happy. Or you have to have this car or you can't be happy. Or he might say to us, people are watching. Oh, and they're going to measure your success by what you have. So you better have a lot. You better put on a good front. So people will think, wow, you're doing as good as they are. But listen, they're not doing very good anyway. They're just in debt. Friend, if you are a consistent tither and you are still broke, it could be because of your mortgages. You are living beyond your means. It's time to downsize. It's time to get real. It's time to change your thinking. It's time to get your life back. Remind yourself of some things. It might help motivate you this morning if you'll remind yourself of some things. Remind yourself of all of the financial struggle that you've had. Remind yourself of the sleepless nights. Oh, the nights that you have walked the floor not knowing what you're going to do financially. Oh, remind yourself of all of the fights with your spouse all over money. Remind yourself of the embarrassment of bill collectors. Remind yourself, friend, of the guilt that you feel when the offering back goes by and you have nothing to put in it. See yourself debt free. See yourself debt free. See yourself set free from the bondage of debts. Imagine the peace. Oh, can you imagine? No longer are you struggling. No longer are you anxious. No longer are you worried. No longer are you eating. Is debt eating you up? And oh, the peace that you could have. Oh, the peace that you could have if, if those debts were paid. Oh, think about all that you could do if you were debt free. 
Oh, there are many things that you want to do. Maybe you wanted to go on this missions trip to the Philippines. You wanted to really bad, but you couldn't. You couldn't miss a day's work. Why? You couldn't even miss an hour's work. Oh, you didn't have any money. Oh, uh, you, 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 you didn't. Oh, you really wanted to. Oh, think of all of the things that you would like to do and you would do if you could. But all oh, because of the bondage. Oh, of dead. You cannot do it. Think about how awesome it would be to be debt free and be able to do so much more. Friend, have a dream of being debt free. Get a dream of being debt free. And after you get the dream, wake up. A lot of people are really good about the dream, and oh, they like those sermons about dream a dream. Whether it's God's dream or your dream, they just like those dreaming sermons. Get a dream. Joseph had a dream. Oh, oh going to get me a dream. And every time they hear the preacher preach about getting a dream, they get a dream. And oh, it's an awesome dream. It's an incredible dream. It's a mighty dream. Listen, stop dreaming. Wake up. Get the dream. You need the dream. Get the dream. But then wake up and make the dream come true. Let me give you six, a six-step process to get out of debt. A six-step process to getting out of debt. I need an hour. I'll do it in five minutes. The first thing you need to do is declare it. Declare it. Let it be known that you are going to stop the insanity. Declare your dream. Tell somebody, I'm tired of the bondage of my debt. I'm going to get out of debt. Declare it. Make a declaration. Tell somebody. Number one, declare it. Then after you declare it, number two, develop a plan. Develop a plan. And hey, listen, you don't even have to do that. It's already been done for you. The Christian bookstore has shelf after shelf, row after row of good financial books on how to get out of debt and how to be debt free. I just happen to like uh, Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover. It's not the only one, but it's a good one. I believe in his principles. I was preaching them before he ever wrote the book. I wish I'd have wrote it and got all the money. It's not the only one. There's others, but it's good. Biblical principles. Amen. Number two, develop a plan. Number three, if you're going to get out of debt, dedicate yourself to the plan. Dedicate yourself to the plan. You see, unless your mind is made up, you're going to fail. You're going to fail. There have been at least three times in my life when I've lost from 35 to 40 pounds. The only way that I can do it is I make up my mind and I can do it. I've done it since I was been, I've been here. I lost 40. I've gained 25 of it back, but I'm still down 15 from where I was. <laughs> Every once in a while, my wife will say, let's get on a diet, honey. Let's get on a diet. Nah, nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it don't do any good. Her asking me is not going to do any good. Her encouraging me is not going to, it ain't going to happen until I make up my mind. Amen. You don't need to tell me either. It ain't going to help. I may pacify you and pat you on the back. Amen. And go get my tacos and enchiladas. You know what I'm saying? Because it simply ain't going to happen. Amen. Until, until I make up my mind. Until I dedicate myself to the process. I know I can do it. I've done it three times. I went 31 days one time. Didn't put one bite of food in my mouth. I know I can do it. but only if my mind's made up. And my mind's not made up right now. (laughs) 
six-step process to getting out of debt. Number one, declare it. Number two, develop a plan. Number three, dedicate yourself to the plan. Number four, oh, you're going to like this one, destroy all your credit cards. What? Pastor, can I just keep one for emergencies? Hey, that first one's the one that got you in trouble, dummy. I mean, brother dummy. Destroy all your credit cards. Don't use them. Not even one more time. Have a plastectomy. Cut up the plastic. And number five, deny yourself all luxuries until you have reached your goal. Deny yourself all luxuries until you have reached your goal. You won't see yourself on the inside of a restaurant Unless this is your second or third job. And number six this morning, develop an accountability system. Develop an accountability system. Make yourself accountable to somebody. Give somebody the authority to check up on you. Every once in a while, people will come to me in my office for counseling and for prayer. And sometimes they will confide in me something in their life that's not right and ask me to pray and ask me for their help. And I always tell them, I always tell them, listen, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you, did you go see that person I told you to go see? Or did you do this or that or whatever it is that, whatever it is that I told you to do, whatever advice I gave you, I'm going to check up on you. I'm going to be asking you. Hey, if you come to me for advice, if you come to me for help, then it's all right. If I check up, make sure you're doing what, I, what you asked me to tell you, what you ought to be doing. Amen. So develop an accountability, uh, uh, accountability system. Make yourself accountable to somebody. Give somebody the authority to check up on you. Hey, pastor, hey, hey, I don't understand it. I tithe. I'm a, I'm a tither. So why am I still broke? It could be your mentality. Could be your management. Could be your mortgages could be your measurement. Maybe it's your measurement. Hey, who told you you were broke? I said, who told you you were broke? How do you measure wealth like the world does with dollars and cents? Friends, some of the wealthiest people on earth have very little money. Some of the wealthiest people on planet earth have very little money. First Timothy 6 and 6, godliness with contentment is great gain. And friend, on the other hand, some of the richest people in America are really poor. Playboy millionaire Hugh Hefner said, he said, I'd give up every single one of my Playboy playmates For just one woman who would love me not for my money, not for my fame, not in order for them to be a celebrity, but just for me. Elvis Presley said right before he died, I'm the loneliest person on planet earth. Actor Harrison Ford was asked in an interview, he said, you have everything, you have everything. You've got money, you've got, you've got possessions, you've got, you've got fame, you've, you, you've got everything, man. You've, you've, you've got it all. Oh, what is the one thing that you don't have? Oh, that you would be willing to give anything that you do have in order to get it. And Harrison Ford said, peace. 
Hey, pastor, I tithe, so why am I still broke? Who told you you were broke? Are you saved? Are you saved? Does the blood of Jesus Christ cover your sin? Oh, have you received the grace and the favor of Almighty God? Are you saved? Do you have a personal relationship with Christ? Are you married? Do you have kids? Do you have grandkids? Who told you you were broke? Friday night, my wife was at the retreat. My daughter-in-law is in Haiti on a missions trip. My son had a, a wedding to go to. So Papa took care of the two granddaughters all by himself. No grandma, nobody, just Papa. And my two little granddaughters, they get there. And I ask them, I say, what do you want to eat tonight? And one of them goes in the pantry and gets out a box of macaroni and cheese and brings it out there. And my son says, I don't think Papa does macaroni and cheese. I said, girls, I'll take you wherever you want to go to eat. Where do you girls want to go eat? And they wanted to go different places, of course. So guess what? We went two different places to eat. Sure, sure, Papa will do that. Hey man, I took one of them through Chick-fil-A and got them their Chick-fil-A and then we drove over to Taco Bueno where, where, uh, I think it was the oldest one wanted to, Briley wanted to go and me and Briley ordered from Taco Bueno and we took the food in from, from Chick-fil-A for Addie and we sat there and we ate our supper together. We went two different places to get fed that night. I said, what do you girls want to do now? They said, we want ice cream, Papa. I said, what kind of ice cream do you want? Oh, they had all kinds of things. I said, let's just go to the grocery store. And you can just pick out any kind. They got every kind of flavor there is. And so we went and got some bluebell ice cream. We got two different kinds. And we took it home and we had ice cream. And then after we had had our supper and we had our ice cream, oh, then the the grandkids, they wanted to play school. We want to play school, Papa. So we played school. My youngest is in, in uh, uh, kindergarten and the oldest is in first grade. I'm, I'm not smarter than a fifth grader, but I can stay ahead of a first grader, barely. And they made all kinds of arithmetic problems for me. How much is this and this and this and this and this minus this and this plus all this stuff. And I made a hundred on my test. Who, who told you you were broke? Who, who told you you were broke? Are you saved? Do you have a personal relationship with God? Are you married? Do you have kids? Do you have grandkids? Do you eat regularly? It looks like most of you do. Do you have a roof over your head? Do you have transportation? Do you have at least one true friend? Do you have a church to go to? Or do you have a handsome, humble, holy pastor? Who told you, friend, that you were broke? Amen. True wealth cannot be measured in dollars and cents. Oh, pastor, I I tithe, so why am I still broke? Oh, listen, you're not broke at all. You've just been using the world's measuring devices to measure wealth with. I want to tell you, if Jesus is your Lord and your Savior, amen, if He walks with you and talks with you and fellowships with you, amen, if He's really the Lord and Master and Savior of your life, you're not broke at all. Hallelujah. If you're tithe, if you tithe and you're still broke, 
Might be because of your mentality. Might be because of your management. Might be your mortgages. Might be your measurement. Number five, maybe it's your master. Your master. Who's your source? Who is your source? Your boss? Your spouse? Your bank account? All of these things could be gone tomorrow. Who's your source? Oh, I love what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25. Jesus said, don't worry about your life. What you're going to eat or what you're going to drink. Don't worry about your body, what you're going to put on it. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of more value than they are? And which one of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is tomorrow, is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry saying what are we going to eat or what are we going to drink or what are we going to wear. For after all of these things the Gentiles seek. But your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. But if you'll seek first the kingdom of heaven and His righteousness then all of these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things. One one day load of trouble is enough. I've told you many times, I'm married at age 17. I started pastoring a church at age 17. I don't recommend that. But I did it. 17-year-olds barely know enough to come in out of the rain. And I found myself 17 and married and pastoring a church. I quickly made Jesus the master of my life. Very early on, I made Jesus the master of my life. I knew I needed help. When you're 17, you've got a bride, and you've got bills to pay, and you're pastoring a church, you need help. And I knew I needed help. I knew I was in trouble, and I made Jesus the master of my life. And let me tell you, for the past 37 years, I've had a lot and I've had a little, but I've always had enough. I've lived on Snob Hill and I've lived in the basement of a church. I've walked away from a lot and went to a little, but God always took care of me because I've always made Him the master of my life. This morning, I do not say this with arrogance. I do not say this to boast or brag. I simply say it because it's a fact. God is my source. New Bethel is not my source. Wow, pastor, you get a check every week for pastoring our church. Yes, but for 48 years before I ever heard of New Bethel, I was taken very well care of. Not bragging or boasting. I'm saying that God is my source. He's my source. He's my source. He's given me a lot and sometimes He's given me a little, but He's always given me enough. He's always given me enough. I've always had enough. Amen. He's my source. Who's your source today? Who's your source? Is it your boss? Is it your spouse? Is it your bank account? I wouldn't trust them. 
Friend, if you truly make Jesus the master of your life, if He truly rules over your life, and if He does, that means that you are following His commands. If so, you will never be broke. I said if Jesus is the master of your life, if He's the source, you'll never be broke. Oh, there have been many times I didn't have any money. I didn't have any money. I'm living in the basement of the church. I don't have any money, but I'm not broke because I still had a Savior. I still had a wife. I still had a little baby boy. Amen. I still had my health. I still had the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I still had a call of God upon my life. Amen. I'm not broke today. I've never been broke. Amen. Because broke has nothing to do with dollars and cents. If we'll live by this book, we'll never be broke. We'll always be blessed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The worship team can get back in place this morning. As I said at the beginning of this message today, for several weeks now, for the past six weeks or so, I have asked different people to share a personal testimony about tithing. Because I wanted you to hear from some of the members of this church about tithing. You expect to hear it from the pastor and And by now you know this pastor is certainly not shy on this subject. But I wanted you to hear from some of the people in the pews. But I knew that in so doing, that there would be some that would be saying, Hey pastor, I tithe, so why am I still broke? I tithe just like they do, why am I? Still broke. It seems to work for them. They say it works for them. I believe them. They're not liars. I believe them. I can see their fruit. But I tithe too. Why? Why? They tithe and they're blessed. I tithe and I'm broke. Why? Hopefully this message has been a help to you today. Maybe it's because of your mentality. You thought, I just, you know, the 10%, that's a magic formula that all of my financial worries and woes will go away. No, no, no. No, that's just one piece of the puzzle. It's a large, gigantic piece, but it's just one piece of the puzzle. Maybe it's your management. You see, most people who are broke are broke because of poor money management. It's not that they don't make enough. It's not an income problem because there's other people that make the same amount or less than they do, and they're doing much better. So it's not, it's not an income problem. It's, it's, it's a management problem could be your mortgages. You have too many bills. You have too much debt. You need to change your way of thinking. You've been thinking, I'll always have to have a house payment. I'll always have to have a car payment. I'll always have to use my credit cards to make up the difference. You've got the wrong mentality. You've got too many bills. Change your way of thinking. See yourself debt free. Take the six step process I gave you for getting out of debt. Get rid of that debt and that bondage. Might just simply be your measurement. You've been using the measurement of the world, dollars and cents. But listen, listen. God doesn't measure wealth with dollars and cents. He measures wealth with the precepts and the and, and uh, the principles of His Word. Maybe it's your master. Make Jesus your source. Look to Him. Trust Him. Depend upon Him. Oh, if you will do your part, I promise you, He will do His part. And I love you so much and I want you blessed. 
I want you blessed. I want you out of bondage. I want you out of debt. I want God to do awesome and incredible things. That's why I'll keep preaching this and keep preaching it and keep preaching it. Amen. The only way you're going to keep me to get me to quit preaching it, you're just going to have to run me off. I know what it can do for your life. I know what it can do for your marriage. I know what it can do for your health. I know what it can do for your state of mind. Father, take the word of God that we have shared today. Lord, we've talked about this before many times. But God, it's just a part of who I am and who you have made me and who you want me to be as a pastor. And part of the core message that you want me to continually give to uh, the group of people that you put under my ministry. God, I'm reminded of that who sat under a financial uh, teacher uh, seminar over and over and over and finally got up one day and said, I've heard this stuff five times already. Now I think I'm going to start doing it. Maybe somebody here today, they've heard this and they've heard this and they've heard this. But today, today is their day. Today is their day. Today is the day they're going to make up their mind. Today is the day they're going to begin, Lord, to get out of debt and get out of bondage. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed this morning. I wonder how many in this room today.